You are listening to the Massive Report podcast. Welcome to the Massive Report podcast, Columbus Cruise Season Preview 2023. The first 80 minutes, if we're here that long, will be great. The final 10 minutes will be terrible. Oh, we're done with that now. <laughs> I, we don't have Hopefully, a new we're done it's with still that. Sam. I'm going to blame it on Sam. Okay, fine. Whatever. No, I'm kidding. We're going to do good. I'm playing oh, three in the back we won't now. we be here for 90 minutes. I have things to do. Sam is I have volleyball seat. tonight. You have volleyball tonight? Yes. Wow. Look at you. Are you good? Don't break any fingers this time. <laughs> Technically, it's not broken, just I severely hate, jammed. It's volleyball. only a flesh wound. It's only a flesh wound. In grade school, right. it would make my wrist hurt. I didn't yeah. like it. I didn't like it at all. Hey, uh, Sam's behind the controls. Murph is here, of course. Brett Hillebrand, hello. How are you? We're excellent. Very, very excited to be here. Yeah? Well, we're glad to have you. You're a true professional. I don't know what the rest of us are, but I've seen you on the TV. On occasion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's good to have you here as we break down the Columbus crew, not only for uh, the, the opening match at Philadelphia, kickoff at 730 on Saturday night on uh, Apple TV or some such. And uh, we, we, more to the point, we want to go through the roster and see what we like and what we don't like. So I don't know how we, we do we want to start in goals so it doesn't take very long. Sure. Eloy Room. Yay or nay? Yay. Okay. Yay. yay. This is along. Brett, by the way. Um, yeah, big yay. Uh, I'm I'm an Aloy fan, um, especially in, um, to use a hockey term, the high leverage situations. Uh-huh. Um, the overseas, they would call these high claims situations. Oh, I like that. Um, in terms of your ability to succeed in high claim situations, Aloy Room's the one of the best in, in MLS. I believe second behind Andre Blake, um, and so a, a really solid shot stopper. Um, and I think one of the more underrated things that we see from Aloy, and we've seen him kind of grow into it to this over his uh, time with the crew. He's he is absolutely unquestionably one of the most vocal leaders on the team, if not the vocal leader. He has to of be the team. now that Jonathan's gone. He really has to be even more. And uh, and so he he's a he's a tier one goalkeeper for me in MLS. And, and the guy behind him, um, Evan Bush, is pretty darn solid yeah. as well. So the the one two punch. Not that I would expect to see a whole lot of Bushy this year. Uh, it, but like in terms of those top two guys, the crew are an excellent, excellent position goalkeeper wise. I think it's funny because I could agree with everything you said about room, but there's a contingent of the fan base that doesn't think he's good enough for some reason. I, I've talked to people recently cause I wrote our preview on goalkeepers and somebody was talking to me about how, well, he doesn't always dive at the shots he doesn't think he can save. And I was like, that's your criticism? Like, I thought his distribution's not fantastic. He's much more... He's not great on crosses, but he he makes big saves. And, like, I think there's just a lack of goalkeeper knowledge. I don't know. You don't have to dive at everything. Like, if it's... If you're screened, if you are... If you're not going to get that... I mean, I don't know. I think, it, I think it's really interesting, the kind of polarizing figure he's become within... within and I even heard it some in the Nordic last year that... You know, fans groaning about about certain things, and like obviously people get upset when the ball goes in the net, your own net. But I don't know. I think Aloy was a finalist for goalkeeper of the year a couple of years ago. Um, obviously, he was great in the, the MLS Cup run, and uh, you know, I I don't know. I I just 
I think he's done exactly what he's paid to do, which is stop the ball from going in the goal more often than not. And, you know, it's not always on the goalkeeper when the ball goes in the net. We're, if we fail this year, it's not going to be because of Eloy. Yeah. Period. And I think, I think to, to your point, I think that a lot of the people that blame Eloy for it, it's kind of like uh, to bring hockey into this too, when they blame the goalies in a lot of years on how many goals they let in, but then they don't look at the defense and how it's playing in yeah. front of them. It's like, if your goalie's getting victimized by the defense, yeah, his his numbers are gonna look like trash, but look at what's happening in front of him too. Yeah, so. absolutely. And in front of him, change in formation. We think. We think. We think. Until we see it, I suppose. You're right, but uh, and I know you guys covered this last week, but Jonathan's gone now. Does that give us a clue as to what uh, the new management is looking to do tactic-wise, formation-wise. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think, and we touched on this last week, but you know, the defense, the back line in general was evaluated, and not only, I think, does it play a part in what you could get for a guy like Jonathan, who, who still has a lot of value, um, the biz- that business side of it, but also, you know, they want to play a certain way, and, and it was clear that they felt that that wasn't the perfect fit. Um, so, yeah, I, I, obviously it'll be different. I do think we'll see a back three, back five more often than not mm-hmm. under under Wilfred Nancy. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see, especially here in this first week, first few weeks maybe even, because we, we've heard that they're expecting to bring in a, a high-level center back, a younger center back, but that guy's not here yet, and you have a game on Saturday. So, yeah, I expect Milos to be a part of this back line. Um, Brett talked about last week that they really like the development of Philip Quinton. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, is he a guy who's ready to start right away? You're going to get tested real quick because you're facing the Sporter Shield team from last year. And uh, they did win the Sporter Shield, right? Or LAFC. LAFC. But they were tied on points, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, they should just split it in half and give it to <laughs> um, Almost supporter shield winning team. They're in, in, a, in a Gareth Bale man bun away from winning MLS Cup yes, as well. Yes. He's a hell of a uh, golfer, as it turns out. It does. I understand why he retired now. But uh, yeah, so it, it'll be interesting to see not only what this backline looks like here early in the season, but how it evolves throughout the year. Um, you know, there's been talk about Steven Marrera playing as the right sided center back. That's something he said that he's never done before, but he's worked on it in preseason. How does that look um, in comparison to how we're used to seeing him up and down the flanks? And, you know, just I, they don't have a ton of center backs right now, especially with the subtraction of, of Jonathan. Is Josh Williams healthy enough to to go a full season at 34? Um, so I think there's a lot of questions about this back line, at least to start the season. And Brad, it's hard to find a good center back, isn't it? I, I think in... It, Especially in in the somewhat nebulous way we define center back success, and in, in especially in MLS, uh, given kind of this this kind of macro level tactical change that we've seen league wide, going from where a lot of the teams have gone from that traditional back four with two traditional center backs to a back three, back five, and and so the way we evaluate that has changed, right? The way that a position. Um, and the way we measure success and failure has changed a little bit. I think the guys like like Jonah, especially, we're talking huge presence in the box, a destroyer of worlds, 
uh, in terms of doing their best to to break up any and all buildup uh, from opponents. Now you're that's measured in in maybe on, on a little bit of a graded scale, right? That's maybe devalued a little bit because all of a sudden now your distribution, your ability to be dynamic with your feet, your ability to play with your back to uh, your back to goal, but also then receiving balls and 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 then um, and being kind of uh, a massive contributor in that initial stage of building is a big part, right? And so that's kind of growing in importance. And I think in large part, uh, speaking only for myself, I think that's why we saw Jonah perhaps uh, be shipped uh, to San Jose, right? Is that they didn't necessarily, um, Wilfred Nazi and his staff, not necessarily thinking that uh, they're, or, or thinking that they maybe could upgrade in terms of say the distribution side of what they want and how they're going to build. Uh, oh, sorry. I thought you were done. No, and so that that's going to be a fascinating kind of dynamic and how we look at the this kind of the center back grouping, right? And we touched on this in in the previous Massive Report podcast, in that this iteration that we're going to see from the Columbus Crew is going to change, especially in that back three, back five. What we see in the initial third of the season is not going to look a lot like what we're going to see in the back half, back two thirds because of some of the additions that we're expecting this team to bring on in the relatively near future. I think the distribution thing will be interesting because, you know, it's, it's a completely different way of building out of the back. 100%. So, you know, who are you asking to do certain things? Who do you trust on the ball? Um, you know, I'll be interested to see Milos in year two. Like, if you remember back to Jonathan, the end of that first season, he was a lot better than he was yeah. most of that year. And then obviously took off from that point. You talk to a lot of guys, especially defenders in MLS, about that second year being, okay, now I understand the league. I know other attackers, the guys we play more often than not. And so I'll be interested to see his development. Uh, and, and But the distribution thing will, will be interesting because – it's, it's certainly key to being able to play out of the back, but it's also not, you don't have to do that if you don't have the guys to do it right away. You can, you can kick the ball out, <laughs> you know. It's, <laughs> I know it's the, the in vogue thing to play possession out of the back, but if it's not working, you don't want to give your opponent the ball because you can't play out of the back, but you want to try and do it anyway. There is something to, to, to the analytics since they changed the goal kick rule in terms of opponents being able to be inside the 18 to receive a goal kick. There, there is some. Uh, it's an it's an ongoing developing al- algorithm, but there is some. Um, there are some analytics out there into possession retention off of those initial goal kicks, compared to or, or like a like a playing out of the back goal kick as opposed to just a traditional one where you kick it to your big, you know, number nine striker and you hope that guy manages to hold the ball up. That there's been a massive kind of improvement in terms of possession retention, and I think that's kind of been one of the you know influencing factors to one of the one of the biggest reasons why we've seen kind of that change in the last say three to five years. Yeah, well, I mean, think about you're watching a match, even like I was watching Leeds and Everton the other day, and Leeds was desperate, so of course their keepers pounding everything out of the back, and every single one of his clearances and goal kicks were intercepted. It's, I think, uh, to your point, they're coming around to the idea that, especially with the change in the goal kick rule, that that uh, you know long balls from your goalie are lower percentage than they thought. Now it depends on the game. If you're winning, obviously, you're not so concerned about that. But you know, I, I think it's just sort of the evolution of the game. Is everybody on the field has right. to be able to play with their feet, and they have to be a positive 
distributor of the ball to a certain extent. And I think that's what they like about Milos, especially coming into year number two, is that, that they feel like he's much more solid on that than, than Mensa was, certainly. I had an MLS coach tell me last year, the, the way that he phrased this really struck struck me and stuck with me, that, that the... The way teams, um, the biggest change in, in uh, attacking soccer in the last five to 10 years, um, he said, is that now all 10 field players have to want the ball. That's not, was not always the case. And traditionally, especially even like, say, like 10, 15 years ago, you would never have center backs, quote unquote, wanting the ball. And now, essentially, that's what they're that's what they're asking players to do. Be confident, be dynamic in those situations. And I think so you've seen some growing pains a little bit with some players um, during that time. Well, I think it's kind of like hockey in that way is that all the goons have been run out of the game. You've got to be able to handle the puck and do something positively. It's not enough to just be able to knock guys over the boards. Mm. It's not enough to be able to just physically overpower people. Right. There are too many great athletes coming at you, too. You have to be an athlete as well. That's the evolution of the game. It's just all the athletes are getting better, and you see it everywhere. I mean, it's just your jaw drops sometimes. It's some of the things that these guys can do nowadays. Um, looking at the fullbacks, we have a former sounder, Jimmy Madrana, and you know, Madranda. Madranda. That's what I meant. Right. See, right. you know, there are so many teams in this league. When they're in the it's Western your first Conference, episode of the season, it's all right. Yeah. See, I'm already doing the final ten minutes in the first ten minutes. <laughs> Good lord. Um, regardless of how you pronounce it. To, his to name, be fair, I did have to ask the crew that I was pronouncing <laughs> well, right. Just because there are so many dang yeah. teams in this league oh, now, yeah. I cannot keep up with Western Conference like I would like to. I just don't see enough of them. What What do we know about this guy? Bangers only in terms of goals. Uh, the When he does put one in the back of the net, you're going to be up on your feet when it happens because the dude uh, has a, a bit of a flair for the spectacular. Um, the, uh, the big thing for me, massive, massive engine and work ethic. Um, the, the man is like eats beep tests, beep tests being the fitness test. Yeah. The man eats beep tests for dinner, uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, even though he's, he's definitely a little bit older than I think people realize. He was banged up too, wasn't he? hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the other thing too, that, um, he, he's a guy that I think really improved under the direction and tutelage of Brian Smetzer in Seattle. I thought he really maybe found a different gear. So he's a really solid player. I'm really fascinated to see the the way the playing time breaks out between him and Will Sands on that left side, um, especially since you know the, the club moving on from Pedro Santos. Um, Pedro, a guy who basically dominating that left side. And, and, and I think a lot of us expected that he would be here in 2023. So, does, including probably Pedro, including probably Pedro. Mm. So, is it is it Jimmy? Is it Will? Um, is it a, is it a combo of of the two? That'll be a fascinating kind of dynamic to to check out as the season goes along. Last year, twenty one games played for Madranda in Seattle, but only eight starts, six hundred forty six minutes. So, injuries were a part of that. Uh, he's already been a little banged up in preseason. I don't think it was anything serious, but I think they'll probably be a little careful with him he's off that field turf too yes i don't care how many times and ways that they 
change and quote unquote improve that stuff, it's it's never going to be the same as playing on grass. In terms of of the the turf that we did see throughout, you know, all of MLS, Seattle's was one of the better ones, I think. Um, if you got there kind of at the right time relative to when the Seahawks play. Um, when we were there um, back uh, at the, at the basically the, the, the dawn of the pandemic, right. I um, remember that match. which was, that was truly one of the weirdest, yeah. uh, maybe 36, 48 hour periods of my life. And that downtown Seattle was deserted while we were there. Yeah. Um, the, the turf there was, was totally solid and totally fine. Um, Maybe not the like fifty some thousand cases of COVID that they directly like uh, you know, contract to. traced to that game in the the weeks and months thereafter. Uh, I still think um, it, of all the sporting events but, in that period, just before everything was shut down, that's the one, and, and not just because of the crew. That's the one that kind of is the eeriest. I yeah, think. it was like, what are we doing here? I, <laughs> I remember talking right before the game with with some of the Sounders uh, staff. And we were kind of wondering how many people were going to be at the game. And they were like, we could get 3,000. We could get 30,000. We have no idea. And I think they ended up getting like 25 or 27. Yeah, it was some. a pretty good crowd. Yeah, it was wild. Yeah. It was not that we need to go back on a Was tangent. it Buck Brat night, though? No. I, by the way, <laughs> it, if it, the, you know, the, the how do we get, we should probably find a way to, at some point, We'll, we'll find a way to sell uh, a line in the show in the podcast called How Did We Get Here? Brought to you by whomever. <laughs> yeah. Because I will be the one driving us on terrible, ridiculous, and entirely absurd tangents oh, uh, throughout the, the oh, rest yeah. of the season. Yeah. So how did that. we get here? Brought to you by I think I can, make that, I can make that Menards. happen. Yes. Uh, Shout out Menards. It's funny it? because that whole thing started with an XFL game shortly before. where the, right. And so I was just talking about this because the XFL started back up for the first time since then this past weekend and we were just talking about like what a crazy I remember I went to Endeavor to watch that game and people were talking about like before it you know was it going to happen for sure would there be next week and I just was like of course they're going to play like it's sports they play they always play boy was I wrong I remember that because I was there with you yeah. well we previewed a game with I want to say Salt Lake that never happened right, right? yep that was our best podcast yeah. <laughs> it was <laughs> really good for it. take my word for it okay uh you know, we already touched on Morea and the fact that he might be playing a different position. Luis Diaz seems to be the other guy that's sort of uh, a big time, uh, a man without a country right now. Where Where is he going to play? We kind of talked about this a little bit last week about how what he ends up showing in preseason and a contract here and how much ad- does the additional time that he's playing with Cucho Hernandez, how much that affects how he plays because we definitely saw a very positive improvement once Cucho came in and almost kind of like coached mm-hmm. him on the field. So I think that's that's going to be a really interesting spot to see where he lands, especially if uh, um, what's his name remains healthy. Madrena. No. The other midfielder that keeps <laughs> getting hurt all the time. Yeah, see, even you can't remember his name. I'm sorry. Molino. Kevin Molino. Thank Hot boy. Wow. Yeah. I was right. thinking like preseason form big time. Yeah, especially if, if Kevin Molina remains speed. healthy and he was also showing improvement towards the end of the year. So I think that's that's gonna be a good question mark. And and I have I almost have zero doubt that 
you can see Mo Farsi kind of play in that role a little see, bit. You can see you can about. see uh, uh, Jason Russell Rowe maybe even possibly slot in there well, a little we'll bit. We'll get to Russell Rowe. Let's talk about Mo Farsi right now because it, I just like at the end of the season, Brett. I was so excited. Uh, I mean, last season was a bummer, but I was so excited about a his development there at the end of the season and. Uh, to me, it, he was one of the two kids that came up from Crew 2 that was absolutely unafraid of the stage. What, what do you see from him? Do you see that that uh, he's stepped in the role where he doesn't have to go back to Crew 2 anymore? Is this like he's full-time with the, the top club? Am I re- missing something here? I remember um, standing with, with uh, Jordan Angeli and watching training at some point last summer and the the two of us kind of turned and looking at each other and she looked at me and she said, Mo Farsi's a full-time MLS player. And uh, there, I think what we saw on the field was unequivocally substantiating that in a pretty emphatic way. Um, his versatility is pretty incredible. Um, pretty much ambi-footed, play right foot, left foot, yeah, right, right side, left side. The fact that he can um, we saw him play fairly significant number of minutes, both as an attacking winger and as an outside back. That, I think, fits exceptionally well with uh, what I think Wilfred Nancy is going to expect of those outside backs. If you look at the his Montreal teams and what and what Zachary uh, Brogillard did uh, at the right back position, previously that was Alistair Johnson. They shipped him out. Brogillard came in and was a kind of a converted winger, but was always kind of sniffing at that opposing left back, trying to get in behind, would participate in the buildup. Sometimes you'd see them switch him uh, to the opposite side of the field. Uh, I think Mo Farsi fits fits kind of that mold in a, in a really dynamic way. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him play significant minutes. I'm not sure that right side, if it's him, Luis, uh, I kind of like the idea of Lu- seeing just Luis like bang on down the right side and and showing everybody you know the pace that he has especially a guy who's ultra motivated as uh as we said in a contract year so the um that'll be a fascinating dynamic because i think one of the one of the core kind of um you know kind of the core kind of uh like philosophical uh things that we've seen from nancy here in the preseason is that he does not care how old you are, what your previous playing experience is. If he thinks you are good enough to play, you're going to see the field. And I think Mo fits that for me. I think it's this is the most interesting position for me heading into the season because you could do a lot of different things depending. I think even tactically game to game, that may change who plays at that spot because, like Brett said, if you want your right side to be where you're attacking, Luis Diaz will certainly give you that. Um the other guys provide a little bit more defensively. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, well, I, like I said, we, you could possibly have Marrera playing that, that right-sided center back. He can still be very much a part of this conversation, too. I mean, that's essentially the role he's played with the crew uh, in his first two years. So I'll be interested to see how they start and use this position early on and then kind of the evolution of it with various players and, and what it looks like throughout the year. I think we're forgetting that it's a fool's errand to sit here on February 20th and just lay out the whole season. Is it A, the season is so long, and here was like, well, this guy's going to play here, and this. It's such a long season. And I think that we're going to know a lot more because we have a new coach. We're going to know a lot more even in 
two, three games, we're going to know a lot more. And that's exciting and interesting. Um, and uh, a little scary when you have to play Philadelphia. I wish we were playing somebody else, Chicago or something. That's okay. Let's just get this out of the way. Now, the midfield, that's, of course, uh, where, where we feel good. But do we have enough guys that we feel good about, given that we don't know exactly tactically what we're going to do? I think the number of midfielders, in terms of how many guys are actually there, and that'll be so interesting um, because there's a lot of really t- there's a lot of talent there. You have, obviously we know what Darlington Nagby is and the type of player he is. Aiden Morris, I think, is is poised to explode into the role of of a full time starter now, right? And he's my guy. Um, he's my guy. The, you want to talk about like a destroyer of worlds and a, yeah. and a massive engine. I think that guy is probably the, the, the quintessential definition of that in terms of mid- midfielder. And I think he's getting better. Um, his technical ability, I think, took a massive jump last year at mm-hmm. times. The ability to be a, a little bit more of a contributor, um, both in the, in the middle third and final third, is something that I, I think you will see from him a, a little bit more. I love Sean Zawadzki. I'm, I'm a sucker for, for him and, and, and what he's able to bring with a team, especially with what his presence on the field does and how that influences what Darlington Nagby does and his specific to his positioning. Um, but it's, a, it's just a matter of the numbers, right? And, and whether that's, um, you know, it's a true back three into a midfield five um, or do they sometimes, you know, or, or does that that back three sometimes tr- turn into a back four and the opposite, you know, wing back, you know, moves into an outside uh, outside midfielder. So the, the numbers in midfield will be fascinating. It's probably a bit of a rotation between Aiden and Sean. I, I don't know. I, from what we've seen a little bit in preseason, that's kind of been the case. Um, what, what we do know is that... Um, there's probably nobody better to learn from in MLS at the midfield position than Darlington Nagby. And Aiden Morris has been doing that now for a handful of seasons. And so being able to um, essentially uh, give him the keys to at least half of the midfield for the better part of an entire season is a really exciting dynamic for this team. Sean Zawatsky, and we touched on him last week, could you know if he can work his way into really pushing Aiden Darlington? Obviously, they're different players, but you know, if he's somebody who forces Wilfred Nancy's hand in terms of like, how do I keep this kid off the field? That's only a good thing for the mm-hmm. crew. Um, and you saw it in bits and pieces last year when when he made his first team debut and, and what he was able to do there. Um, and I think you we probably should have seen more of it, frankly, but. This will be this will be interesting because you know you know what you're going to get from Garlington and you know maybe he's used a little bit differently under Nancy than he was under Caleb, but you you know what Darlington is and, and he's a very good player especially when he's motivated. You get a you know you have a good sense of Aiden. It'll be interesting because when I asked Nancy about him, he said he runs too much. He needs to he needs to be more um, he needs to be smarter with his movements and. You know, I asked him then, following up, and, and I'm going to write about this hopefully before the first game. Um, you know, is is that normal with a young player? And he was like, yeah, with a young player like Aiden, who 
that's what he's done. He brings energy and whatnot, but you can be better tactically and, and save some of that so that you, you can give it later on in the game or give it at times you need and trust your teammates more. He said he notices that Aiden sometimes feels like he has to go out to the wide areas to, to fill space or, or make a play or things like that. So how does he evolve under this philosophy where he's not being asked to just run around when he's well, out there? he's so young, and I think that that's something we forget is that a kid like him grows up being the best player on any team that he's ever been on. And what does that mean? It means I got to do everything. If we're going to win this tournament, if we're going to win this U14 tournament, I got to do everything. And he's not that far beyond that age. Is he even drinking age yet? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I mean, he's now a capped national team player. Yes, I know that, but he's so young. Not that, that you I have think to be able to that, drink that, to play that for the national. You, team. Yeah. Well, ask Frankie. He'll tell you otherwise. <laughs> He'll tell you otherwise. Um, no, but that's. I, I'm glad you brought that up because that's something that we don't think of. We only think, well, look at him. Look at that effort. We love the effort and we love the physicality, but. The manager is thinking ahead, like, okay, even if he is 21, there's only so much fuel in the tank for any given match. Can we maybe make him more efficient? I, I think this is a this is a fascinating question for me. That when I when I saw the he runs too much uh, quote, the first thing that popped into my mind was, is that because he actually runs too much? Or is that because that was what he was asked to do under Caleb Porter? Uh, and, and what are right. what essentially what's the yeah. what's the dynamic between those two kind of thoughts, right? Because he one hundred percent was asked to cover a lot of ground under yeah. Caleb Porter, especially four two three one, because of the help that was sometimes needed out wide in supporting both the 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 outside back in, in Aiden's case. A lot of times this was. Um, this was Pedro, but also then Derek, because what they were asking Derek to do in terms of pushing the back line. So, um, and, and then supporting the, the press. So that'll be, I can't like that, that dynamic and the, the essentially how, how do you answer that question probably depends upon your perspective of what his tape looks like, what his film looks like. Um, so I can't wait to see that progression. That'll be fascinating to watch. Good job not running so much tonight, Aiden. I mean, that's pat on the back. There you go. Hit the showers. Do you even need a shower? Right. Did you run yeah. that much? And then tonight? the fans are like, "Why is Aiden running so much?" Well, <laughs> he's been he, told not to hashtag run. #Crew96. He, yeah. He also he also Aiden mentioned he wants to be more involved offensively. Yeah, and I, I yeah we I think I think Bailey Johnson asked him you know do you look at Darlington in terms of some of the shots he takes. And he was like, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see. And then he makes his debut with the national team and takes a shot from the top of the box yeah. that almost goes in. So I wonder if he gets more. It'll be interesting because we'll get to this in a second. But the kitchen with, agrees. Yeah, the kitchen yes. agrees. Those are Aiden taking taking bangers. <laughs> uh, you are Jack are running the kitchen here at Saucy tonight. <laughs> you, all, you obviously will have two attacking midfielders ahead of these central midfielders. So how does the spacing and everything work? But I would not mind if you have guys like Darlington and Aiden both willing to take shots from distance. Plus, you add in Madranda, who we were talking about. You know, that that's something this team hasn't always had a ton of. Well, let's uh, unless there's anything else about the midfield specifically. I mean, Isaiah Parente is still here. Um, yeah, I don't know I, what his role. Well, will I be. don't. I don't think we've ever known what his role is. 
I mean, he's kind of got to forge that. I love. I thought Isaiah Isaiah was man of the match for me in the Crew Two final. Yeah, it's um, great. And and every time I didn't get to watch them as much as I would have liked. Um, I did great beer and, prices at those. Well, games. you know that. <laughs> there's a lot of reasons for that. We can talk about those offline. Um, but uh, <laughs> no, let's every, do it now. Every time I did, I, I love, I love the the, the like the true box to box midfielder that can also be kind of dynamic in 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 zone fourteen, which I'm sure you guys have heard us. We Jordan and I and Neil just just went crazy when talking, trying to emphasize the importance of zone fifteen on the Bally slash Fox Sports Ohio broadcast that we've done in the last four, couple of years. But Isaiah was really, really dynamic in those moments. Final pass, being able to to shift defenses to be able then to then play a final pass. Um, I love those types of players. Problem is he's got a bunch of excellent guys in front of him. Yeah. And so what his role is, that's a that's going to be a real question. And he can even play the number ten. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, not that they they should need him to do that, but as you said, there's there's plenty of guys at that position too. But he has a lot of versatility for sure. It's you know, it's then making the jump up obviously to the to that MLS level. Speaking of jumping up, is there anything else we need to say about Cucho? I mean, how's he? Le- is he f- feeling good? Ready Hold to on. go? There's one midfielder that we did not even come close Who's to that? mentioning. Yao Yaboa. He actually I still exists that's... on this team. Does Yao fall under the winger umbrella? I, I would consider him more of a winger, per se. Right. Both him and Matan. Um, they have used him as the attack, one of the attacking midfield. Both of them as in preseason as yeah. an attacking midfielder. Um, I don't know how much that is. I don't know if that's just getting them on the field for preseason to get them on the field running around and in, in shape and whatnot. But like... To me, neither of them are wingbacks. Right. You know, even, I mean, like, they're sort of in the Diaz role, but you got to, if you're trying to find a spot, like, the way that I saw the attacking midfielders play was they kind of started wide, almost in a 4-3-3, you know, like they would on a 4-3-3, and then, you know, tucked in, like, Lucas on the left, and Matan or Molino or Yao on the right, and, you know, so they're... They, they kind of move centrally and, and can, you know, uh, that whole front three can the kind fluidity. of... fluidity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So whether that's what they ideally want to do with those attacking midfielders, I doubt it. I think you probably want, if healthy, Zellerion and Kevin Molino there. But you know, we, don't, we haven't seen a ton of Matan, so it's like, where can he fit in? Can he play that position? And, and Yao... You know, he, he wasn't exactly a, a world beater last year, but we talked about second year in MLS. It occurred to me, and we really haven't talked about Lucas that much because he's awesome, but the one... He'll be good again, I bet. The one area that frustrated me uh, about his game was corner kicks. Does he continue to take them, or is that... Are we doing something else? Well, we don't have Pedro to compare him to anymore, since Pedro did better corner kicks, I feel. Right. Yeah. But, I mean, I suppose we start with him, but uh, could there be somebody else taking that job? Yeah, I don't know what they'll do. Um, I do think Lucas will still be involved. Um, There's not an obvious other guy, at least, that we know about. I think Will Sands took a couple last yeah. year, just you know being left-footed. 
I would think you could. Aiden took a handful as yeah, well. Yeah, Aiden took some. Um, I would imagine Kevin Molino could do that if you needed him to. The thing that's interesting with Lucas is, like, he should be able to take them. I, don't I know. It's, But it's often, like, beating the first guy that he doesn't do. And, I mean, not that the crew have been prolific on corner kicks regardless of who takes them. No. But, uh, you know, I don't. How was Montreal on? You know, how much focus was there on their set piece? You know, non-direct set pieces. Well, you have to remember Montreal is pretty big, right? Right. With if you think about that squad specifically, Victor Wanyama was a guy that they tried to target uh, a lot. And he had Kai, Uh, right? And so, um, so a lot of their corner kicks that that I remember were were mostly just what I would call like whips, whip balls, Mm -hmm. uh, and then trying to. drop the ball behind the first defender but in front of the goalkeeper and then if you can have like one of your big dudes come in there and and you know and and, and essentially beat that guy then that's probably what they were after um you know the this was a point of frustration in terms in terms of lucas's corner kicks at times it was a big point of frustration uh, i think for um for me specifically because what they were what they were trying to do required like a very certain type of ball and a lot of his had a tendency to float yeah. a little bit um and i never i could never really understand why it didn't seem to get addressed uh at any point um last year because it felt like something fairly obvious um but i also think that was some of that was a philosophy in terms of what Caleb uh, was was attempting to do with with offensive set pieces, but also Pablo Moreira, uh, the assistant coach, who was, that was essentially his job. Like his main job was to try and find ways uh, to score. And if you go back and look, they scored a lot off of not just quarter kicks, but also attacking third dead ball situations. They scored against Montreal and probably the best one. Um, with with a really tricky sweet set play that they scored on in training every single time leading up to that game. So, and Lucas is the guy who played the ball. So, um, you know, I, I think he, to me, the the corner kicks are the corner kicks is essentially a, essentially like a dead ball cross, right? So, like, um, it's it's uh, it's good when it's you know it's great when it's good and when it's bad no one really notices beyond like why was that ball crappy but like you still have an opportunity to get the ball in more often than not. Well, I think also when we talk about technology and analytics and being able to review things from multiple angles, I think defending something like a corner kick has become something that that your opponent can do with precision right if they, if they do the if they do the homework everybody's where they're supposed to be and the goalies are so great i mean it's just it's become almost a lost art I think. especially the way that that the refereeing has protected goalkeepers in terms of their ability to go for yeah. balls yeah. that's also been a dynamic where i think that's changed from uh, from like when we played, right? Where uh, the, the professional here, goalkeeper could go out and get mugged and it didn't really matter. I was a terror um, on goalkeepers, you know, as you can tell by looking at me. So, uh, yes, you, well, you, uh, the, 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 the physical uh, imposition that you have is extremely intimidating, <laughs> for, especially for me being as close to you are um, at the moment. But yeah, I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's, uh, um, it's, it's a fascinating dynamic. And I think a lost art is a great way to describe it, right? In that... Um, I don't know if it's necessarily been devalued in, in an analytical way. I think that's a that's a question for some of the some of those folks. And I, I, I think it's 
one it's part of a larger conversation about attacking soccer um, but it's 100% 100% a lost art and there's a lot of reasons for that um, let's talk about Jason Russell Rowe he's he's my other he's my other guy I want to see him out there how much are we going to see him out there well it's going to be interesting because the crew brought in Christian Ramirez who's a veteran uh, played in MLS was in Scotland the last couple of years but he's been hurt in preseason uh, so we'll, we'll find out if he's back. They've obviously been down in Miami, but you know, I assume that the thought is, okay, let's bring in a guy with experience so we're not relying on a, a second-year player with limited experience in case we need him to come off the bench or we need him to, to sub in for Cucho for, from the start of the games. But I, with, with Nancy, I think for sure you're going to see some of Russell Rowe. Now, ideally... Cucho is healthy the entire season and playing at a high level, and Russell Rowe is a bonus. Um, now, could you have those two on the field together? That's kind of what I was asking. Um, like, see, again, we don't, we don't know. Yeah, I mean, Montreal did some two-forward stuff 100%, yeah. last year. And, you know, I think, look, if, if Lucas and Kevin Molino are playing well at those attacking midfield spots and healthy, with Molino especially then I think you roll with that. But if you need to make tweaks and things like that, I think Jason Russell Rowe is, and we touched on him a little bit, Brett talked about last week, the way he can, his distribution and, and the way he sees things, specifically in that Toronto game last year. Uh, you know, he could be a player that can still help you create things as kind of a second forward. Mm-hmm. And with the way Cucho moves around, you know, he could occupy still that, that number nine space uh, when Cucho floats wide or, or drops to get the ball. Does Cucho move around as much now under new man? So I, I, Nancy brought up that he's when Columbia played the United States recently, that Cucho played on the wing, which he obviously did at Watford, and you know I asked him about the kind of the fluidity of that because because of a guy like Cucho, and he's you know he didn't he definitely doesn't want to give anything away. I think. Well, sure. So he's. We, <laughs> Yeah, he's just—he's clearly very protective, but he, he acknowledged that that's something that they could do. He doesn't want to give anything away. Like Sam is not going to give away any of those delicious saucy wings, all going his in now. his belly right now. Um, <laughs> they smell fantastic. They do. Oh, yeah. They really do. Anyway, sorry. No, no, no. no. So I haven't had my dinner yet. Yeah, I think I think Jason Russell Rowe is certainly exciting. But I think so is a full season of Cucho Hernandez. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's team. the thing we forget, you know? We, we didn't have him for the whole season. Right. Which is crazy. Because yeah. he, he just came in and bam. It's like, made an impact. I, I think if there's anybody that is, and I, this is going to be a loaded phrase, so bear with me, but I think if there's anybody in terms of a soccer intellect that is capable of taking everything Wilfred Nancy's asking of you, and then being able to produce in a very intangible way on the field, it's Jason Russell Rowe. The dude is ultra, ultra coachable. And I think he's also able to do that in a variety of positions. So I think we'll see him on the field a lot. Um, I love his uh, potential off the bench um, or say like a uh, like a midweek start in, you know, like a a two and eight or a three and 15, two games in eight days, three games in 15 days situation that we'll see uh, in the latter third of the season. 
I think I think Jason is like literally the perfect example of that. When we talk about Philly here in a few minutes, the the, the best example I can give of of someone in Major League Soccer who did that to an incredible degree was what Corey Burke did for Philly last year. Scored seven goals, basically is like the backup number nine who played every Wednesday when Philly played the previous Saturday. So. And he's not there with Philly. They're going to the miss way. him. So with their schedule, they're going to miss him big time. So um, I think we're going to see a lot of Jason Russell Rowe. I think you're going to see him score goals. Uh, and in terms of confidence, I don't think there's anybody, especially in his kind of age bracket, that's more confident than he is. I'm excited for him. 2023 is going to be a big year. Absolutely. I'm really curious to see. With the talent that the crew has, with the basically what we're going to call four forwards, and I'm including Lucas in this, is if they how they play that top three, and how those three rotate, so that it's not like, oh no, it's always Cucho at the top of the pyramid. They all three of them can rotate and be that number nine, be that goal scorer. I think you'll see a little bit of that. I think for me, like best case scenario is to see what Lucas, see Lucas do what Jordi Mihailovic has done, did during his time in Montreal, which is essentially revive his career, right? Um, If you're able to get, um, and there's a difference between production and and just being dynamic. And I think Jordi managed to check both of those boxes, which is really hard for a traditional 10 to do, especially when you're going up against so many back threes uh, in MLS. I, I, he was one of my favorite players to watch across all of Major League Soccer last year. I thought he should have been with the U.S. men's national team, um, certainly in the camps leading up to the World Cup, if not altogether the World Cup squad. I think he was he's that type of player for me. Um, and so I think there's a lot of really exciting potential for me to see Lucas embrace more of that 10 role. A lot of what what um, what I found to be a little bit frustrating is how often Lucas essentially became a second striker yes. with the Columbus crew. If you want to go back and look at the 2022 season, go back and look at how much space is essentially available for, dep- for opponents to occupy because Lucas is essentially playing as a second striker because that's what they had to do in terms of the pressing. There was a lot of there was not a lot of connectivity through the spine. When I say spine, I mean the middle of the field, from the center backs to Darlington to that next line. Right there was a lot of space, sometimes 40, 50 yards at times, because Lucas was so far up the field. Him a little bit withdrawn is a really big thing for me in terms of uh, leveraging the Columbus Crew's success. So I, I really like what Lucas. If that's the role that they. Uh, kind of look at uh, as uh, you know Lucas capable of of occupying, and I think we all know that he's more than capable of that. That only means exceptionally good things going forward because him able to receive the ball back to goal, a turn, and then you're out. More often than not, you're probably having a four on three, five on four in that situation. If he's able to beat someone off the dribble, which we've seen him do a lot, sure. The crew on on the front book, front foot, an up back and through from there. I mean, that's that's awesome. And how many goals did uh, uh, Ramel Quintero score for Montreal in that exact scenario last year? A lot. A lot. And I, I think it, anything we can do to keep Lucas from getting crushed quite as much as he seems to have been the last couple of years, is he, you know, he spent a lot of time banged up and missed games. And that'll be interesting to see going forward, too, is how we can keep him upright 
more often. Tell me about Ramirez. You know, I know that he played for Houston in the past, but uh, he was in Scotland. What can we expect from him? I'll be honest. I don't know. I really don't know. In in that, like, is is he a guy that I think I think we all know the ability is there, right? Um, you're not going overseas to to just cash checks, right? Yeah. Like, I think I think there's there's definitely something to be said for that experience and and how you grow as a player. Um, and then what you bring when you come back to MLS from that, right? In uh, in some of the the both the qualitative differences that exist tactically in in Europe in, in kind of the top echelon of European soccer and how that kind of translates uh, in terms of MLS success, it can vary, right? The the the, the range in which we measure that is wide. Um, but I don't, I, I really don't know. I think he's a really good player, and I'm excited to see. Uh, kind of what he brings, but in terms of where he plays, when he plays, where is he at in the depth chart? I'm really not entirely sure. And so that's a really fascinating question to answer um, here early on in the season. Yeah, I mean, the way Nancy kind of explained the three of them was just like, they all bring something different, right? And so I think, obviously, Cucho is the guy, but I think he wanted some tactical flexibility with what you do beyond Cucho. Um, but I, I agree with Brett, and especially with him not taking part in a good chunk of preseason with a foot injury. You know, I don't know if they know quite what he can bring. Now, he was uh, with the team. He did join the team initially on their first trip to Florida, so he did have some time before he got hurt back in Columbus. But you know, not ideal how you want to start coming with a new yeah. team. Now, he is a guy who's familiar with MLS, so that certainly right. helps. It's not like you're bringing in a guy who's never played in this league before. Um, but, you know, in terms of getting used to his teammates and whatnot, that's a bit more difficult when you're on the sideline. Um, do, do we guess on, on the record, the points at this point, since we've been talking about previewing the, the season? The range that – so the, the MLS season previews from MLS.com came out – I believe yesterday yep. and the range um, that you saw from the assorted MLS pundits in terms of the finish, finishing position for the crew was really interesting, right? As, as, as low, I think Sasha question had them 11th. at 11th, which was, whoa. Uh, and, and then I think as high as maybe fourth, um, I, I think there are a handful that picked fourth. So um, that tells me that nobody knows, which is, which is kind of cool and interesting. And, um, do you want to hear something even more interesting? Love it. Yeah, let's go. The 2022 preview for Montreal, the highest pick was fifth. The lowest pick was 12th. Ah. Now, I'm not saying that Nancy's going to recreate exactly what he did in Montreal. Obviously, crew fans would hope that, that they could have a season like that. But I do think it's interesting that a coach was able to defy expectations so much. And look, I think there's a lot of crew fans that would say right now, because of these unknowns, because, okay, you don't have Jonathan, you don't have the depth that you thought you had at center back, you didn't add a ton after losing what a lot of people thought was crucial guys in Pedro and Etienne and, and obviously now Jonathan. And there's a lot of crew fans that are skeptical about this team being a, a playoff contender. We talked last week about there's still a lot of positives to this team, mm -hmm. and we've sort of touched on it today. Uh, I think the biggest thing is just how Nancy unlocks this group, if he can do it again like he did with Montreal, 
if he can, you know, he was able to, to maximize a lot of guys last year. And, you know, like Brett said, he's, he's going to play the guys he thinks should be on the field because of what they do, not because of who they are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think there is also a sense with this team that, you know, they can, that there's less pressure from the coaching staff. He's just yes. different than Caleb. And Caleb is a guy who has gotten a lot of success because he, he puts a lot of pressure on his players to, to play well all the time. And I think Nancy's going to let them have some mistakes and, and there may be some issues at times, but that's in his mind, a way that especially young players learn. So, you know, it's, it's a different philosophy. You obviously saw success here with, with the way Caleb did it. He did it in Portland. But it also kind of wears guys down after a while, and I think you saw that too. So it, it will be fresh air for this team, and, and how does that then impact results on the field? The phrase I used in, in the previous podcast was clean slate. Yeah. I think it, which is, for me, I think is kind of the, the, the quintessential or perfect way to kind of describe my feelings in terms of, looking at this team over the course of an entire season and the potential that they have. Um, I also think that's a general feeling with the players themselves in talking with some of the guys um, so far throughout preseason. Um, the, the, uh, the one, one, I, the one the phrase that I heard that was really interesting from a player was the idea of practice being a safe space to make mistakes. Oh. That was that one really stuck with me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Put a pin and, in that one. That's and, interesting. Um, and and that's not to say that I think Caleb Porter's trainings weren't a safe space, but I do think that as time went on and the pressure ratcheted up, and then losing kind of started to permeate a lot of the mindset and then attitudes throughout the throughout the team, especially last year, that maybe some of that evaporated a little mm. bit. That's not the case with this club right now. I think there's um, there's a lot of optimism right now and and then and, and i would say even like almost a newfound energy a little bit that i i've kind of picked up on so um with that i think the for me the and and the 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 this is the eternal optimist in me talking a little bit but there's there's a lot the, the positives ex, ex, outweigh any potential negatives uh in terms of what we're seeing before you know the first ball is actually kicked in anger so um, I, I, I'm really excited. There's a guy that we haven't talked about that I, that I think is going to be maybe the most fascinating player for me in this 2023 season. What does Alex Matan do in this team? I thought that, that he was an unquestionable liability defensively under Caleb Porter's system out wide. And that was in large part why he didn't play a lot. Mm-hmm. I also think him as a central player, I thought he is essentially like a backup number 10. That I think is his actual position. I don't know if that's actually the case. This is me speaking as like from my own kind of viewing and eye test that I, I think if you put him in a position to be able to come in, tuck in centrally and then run at the, at opponents from those spots, there's a lot of really exciting things that I think you, you could see from him. So he's a guy that I think that will actually see contribute a lot. Well, I think that over the years when we've seen bits and pieces of him thrive, it's when he's able to just be himself. And he's a good athlete, you know. And, uh, yeah, it, 
I, I did often wonder why he wasn't playing as much as he was because he didn't play. He didn't play defense. Yeah, period. Right. Point blank. And yeah. then, and, and that created when he was on the field because you have to remember he played a lot in 2021. Yeah, and and there there are a handful of moments, probably more than a handful of moments, where the opponents turning and going in the other way. A lot of times with a man advantage, or at least in a in a in a, in a, in a really dynamic situation mm-hmm. with the ball at the feet of the person you don't want the ball at the feet of. And Matan's the guy looking at his heels. So yeah. that happened a decent amount in 2021. And, and I think they tried they tried to change that in crew too, because uh, Courtois played him a lot on that wing and trying to get him to work, but he always wanted to play like he's a number 10, but on the wing. And mm. that wasn't, it caused a lot of frustration for him, which caused him to not play well and, oh. and to miss passes and to not play defense. And it's not like he went to crew two and dominated either. Right. That's the other thing. He was like, good. But. He was fine. He was solid. But it wasn't like what you saw what Eric Hurtado did when he went down to crew two, yes. which was just a different guy. Right. Yeah. I mean, he went in and like it was like I'm faster, stronger and more technical than just about anybody on the right. field right now. And it was like, okay, yeah, you probably shouldn't be with this squad. Um, <laughs> Somebody's going to get it. And hurt. then you saw what he was able to do on the field last year, which was contribute in a really massive way. And I think if you talk about um, the Hurtado role that we saw last year is probably what I think Christian can feel okay. a little bit. Fair enough. Well, and, and just real quick on Matan, you know, he went out on loan last year and didn't do a ton there either. Now he was hurt. There were injury issues and whatnot. He also, I think, was really affected by coming here in 2020. His girlfriend couldn't come with him. Uh, He's a young kid in a new country. Yeah. And so I think you hope that getting him back here, you know, figuring out what he's best at, trying to figure out a way to maximize that, and then, you know, getting him comfortable, Mm -hmm. you know, off the field as well as on the field, I think can help. Now, does that translate to the player that they thought they were getting? Remember, this was a guy who they were like, he could be a winger, he could be a number 10, as Brett said. He didn't cost very much. It was a guy like, it's, it was worth taking a gamble. And I know crew fans have asked a lot about him because there is some some excitement when he gets on the ball. But, you know, you as Brett detailed, you got to do more than that. And it wasn't like he, you know, if he'd scored four goals, yeah. you know, then the ball's not coming back the other way. And right. now you have a reason to keep him on the, or bring him on more often or whatever mm. the case may be. So, um, yeah, he is another interesting guy for sure. Well, for all the, the mystery and questions we have about our club, I feel like the easiest team to peg is the Philadelphia Union. It's just, you know, it's, it's still Jim Curtin, and they play great defensively, and is there anything else we need to know? What's the If, if you were to pick one word or phrase to describe the Philadelphia Union, what what would that be? I'm putting everybody on the spot here because I have I have one, but I'm curious to to get the, the the table's opinion here. They've just been steady. Like it's it's a team that these last under Jim Curtin, you know, they stuck with this process of what they wanted to do with development and the academy, and it's just gotten you know more and more. And you know, obviously the crew saw them, or the, you know, the, they were the top of the East the year. The crew won, didn't have to see them in the playoffs. But it's just, you know, you've built, you've built, you've built. Didn't win the Supporters' Shield last year. Didn't win MLS Cup, but we're there in both of them. So, yeah, I'd say that they've just been steady, you know, with and, and on an upward trajectory. Have they plateaued, though? At As weird as that sounds, going to MLS Cup, losing in penalties, is that last bit of the summit at this point beyond their reach? I don't know. 
it's it's tough to say because they bring so much back this year. I mean, they really you know you mentioned Corey Burke, he's not back, but they I believe it's they they bring back eighty eight percent of their goals scored and ninety three percent of their like a one assists, like their first pass yeah. assists from last year. Yeah. So well, is, that, is that any good? Yeah. Probably pretty good. Reading no, that they're going to be good. There's no question in my mind yeah. about that. But it seems like you know when they won the supporter shield and got knocked out of the playoffs. When was that? 2020. Yeah. Well, and now mm-hmm. there were a lot of reasons for that. Their entire most of the first team was out with COVID, oh, and, and that yeah. was a big All reason right, for them COVID. going out. Fine. The, the 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 phrase or word I would use is buy in. And, and I mean that in a cultural way. It's a hyphenated mm-hmm. two words. Yeah, well, it's, I, said, I said word or phrase. Okay. Um, that I, th- the, everybody in that squad, from the DPs to like the youngest guys, love playing for Philly. They've embraced kind of the culture of that city. Jim Curtin has leaned into ble- being pretty much a, a player manager, and they've really blossomed from that. I think they're. They're for me the 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 premier team in the Eastern Conference, and he's the premier coach in MLS right now for me. Um, and what they've gotten out of guys that I didn't really think had like high floor, high ceiling, and he's gotten the absolute most top percentile of those players has been really amazing. I thought Kai Kai, Kai Wagner would move on. They would sell him. That didn't happen. Best right back in MLS is back, right? Like, so they, they're, they're somehow, they somehow made money on, a, on players, selling players this year. Made a lot of money, by the way, selling mm-hmm. Pax and Aronson. Mm-hmm. While also... Who was a backup, really. I mean, return, who bar- he started, I think, eight times last yeah. year, scored one goal, zero assists, right? Sell him, make boatloads of money, and bring basically everybody back from the core that dominated a, a, an entire regular season, and basically blew through everybody in the playoffs minus LAFC. So that they are for me the measuring stick in the Eastern Conference and pretty much MLS at large as well. Is this the year they get there then? Because what I mean by plateaued was not a slam on them. Yeah, for it's sure. It's just like can they can they push through that last. I would I would answer that question if I knew what the MLS playoffs were going to look like. Yeah. Oh well, that's a good. You know, we haven't talked about that. (laughs) It's like, wait, hello. Should we know? Yes. Question mark. I don't know. Shouldn't we know uh, what the what the landscape is before we go hiking? Yeah, we should. Should we know what the weather forecast is? This is MLS. This was a league that one year. This was a while back. Changed the playoff format yes. in the middle of the season. Yeah, that's true. Largely because the Galaxy weren't going to make the playoffs, and they had a lot of stars on that team. I mean, I, I, yes, you should absolutely know going into the year. And I want to ask, there, there's media day on Tuesday. That's one of the things I want to ask Wolf and Nancy about is, like, how do you know where the goal is when it's not being set or it gets moved? And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about possibly what they're considering and things like that. And, you know, the playoffs could be rather wild, but yes, you should definitely know this. You should know this before you go into preseason, much yeah. less the week well, of the first the game. That's a good question. It's, it's, it's MLS? I don't have, know. I was going to say, have you met MLS? Yeah, I know, but this Let's is Let's call ridiculous. Phil Neville and ask him. <laughs> All right, well, I got to be honest. I Going in, not knowing so many things and knowing a lot about Philadelphia, I'm not very optimistic about this particular Saturday. I wish we were getting them in four months. Their schedule is brutal, and that's uh, part of 
soccer anywhere in this world, success means you got to play way more games, and their schedule is loaded this year, and they have to balance everything out and start managing playing time and so forth. But we're getting them at the beginning, so they're going to be fresh. Maybe and that's fit. not a bad thing. Maybe that's not a bad thing because you have you have what what could be considered maybe a hangover from having a really good, really cohesive year last year, versus a team that they really don't know anything about right now. And so the crew might be actually getting them at a better point because, you know, think of how dominant the crew were the first like two or three games of last year. And then so they were dumb at the first one. They were dumb at the first well, one for sure. In Vancouver. So. Then, they, then they went to San Jose and they gave up late at goal. Too yeah. late. And it goals. started from there. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it might not be the worst thing to have Philadelphia as your first game. You, I think you just, you just touched on, I think, what, what for me is kind of the, the like a, essentially the jumping off point for why I think there should be a lot of excitement around this team and that this Columbus crew team is 100% a bit of a wild card for everybody that they're going to play, probably for the first like eight weeks of the season. And then we're going to take a break in June, which is going to be wild. But uh, the... I think it, if if there's an if there's a time to play Philadelphia, it's a it's a time where they don't really know what team they're playing. Uh, so right. that that I think is cause for optimism alone. I think that this crew team is going to score goals, and I think the 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 best way to kind of measure um, how dynamic you can be in that specific part of the game, the best time to do that is against the best defensive team that we've seen probably in MLS history, which was this Philadelphia Union yeah. team last Denver year. Them or RSL right. in 2010. Yeah, so um, when, yeah, when, um, when uh, Romando was like probably the best goalkeeping yeah. season that we've yeah. se- ever seen in MLS. Um, Tony, Tony Miola might take issue with that, but you know, yeah. he can call me if he has an issue. Um, but the, um, the, I think it's, I think it's a, it's a great time to, to play Philadelphia. I think this is the second time in the last three years that the crew have opened with Philly. Um, not last year, but the season before, um, I believe was Philadelphia at home. So, yeah, that sounds right. um, the, uh, uh, in terms of what we're going to see, I, I think it's going to be a little bit, uh, cagey, uh, to, to use a soccer term and try in terms of trying to fill each other out a little bit. Um, but the, uh, the for me the, the the biggest thing is that uh, how 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 are you going to play throughout the entire season? What are you going to see in these early stages from the Columbus Crew? A great way to kind of measure that is against a great defensive team, and that's exactly what Philadelphia is. Unlike the Crew, Philadelphia is very uh, public about their preseason games and the results. So much so that they have... Which is interesting. Yeah. They have recaps on their website from the preseason. I won't go into all of those, but the Union lost one preseason game. That was to Nashville. Uh, Their last preseason game, they beat Colorado 4-1. to They tied twice. Not that that is indicative of what you're going to see, and probably part of the reason that a lot of teams in MLS have chosen not to be public about them is because people read too much into them, but... They have they have played well in the preseason as much as that matters. Well, I'll tell you what I missed sitting down and watching the Carolina Challenge Cup this year. <laughs> I always like doing that. So it's a long winter around here, and that was like, ooh, it's going to be spring. All right, so uh, we, we we should make our picks here and get out of here. 
so that uh, Sam can get another order of wings. No, go to volleyball. Go to volleyball. Go to, oh, yeah. I forgot. You're going to play volleyball on the on the wings. That yes. is an endorsement for the Saucy Brewers wings. They were delicious, just so we're clear. What time's volleyball? Should we show up and root for you? If you want to. It's uh, 8.15 at Flanagan's. Oh, it's too late. I figured. You have an early show yeah, to you get up at 4.30. So. Yeah. I generally don't go out to volleyball games on work nights, generally speaking. All right. Brett, make your pick. So, do, do we? is there like a season-long tally that we, no. that we keep no, track of? No, we Unless probably should. I was going to smoke you guys in 2023. <laughs> Uh, I feel like that's a challenge. We okay, should maybe keep track. We're, we're going to make this happen. Yes, okay. we're keeping track. So oh, we'll have to come up with a point system, like yeah. in terms of what. Because I feel like if you were like right or wrong, the, the ability to be right is probably not super high. Or the probability of being right is probably not. Have super you met high. this team? Yeah. One one. One one. Subaru Park is, uh, I think, uh, a top five MLS venue for me, especially if they've been tailgating uh, for a really? better part I've of the day. Really? I've heard that it's in the middle of nowhere. Like I'm, I'm talking specifically specifically about fan support. Oh, okay. It's 100% not in Philadelphia. It's in Chester, Pennsylvania, right, right. right on the river underneath the bridge. Um, but the... Um, when when uh, the sons of Ben are have been uh, marinating uh-huh. with a with a popper the two, cups. Um, they're not. It, it's it's a hard place to play, and, yeah. and I don't think you look at look at the crew's results in in Philly over the last couple of years haven't been super great. So um, if you can go in there, score a goal, and come out with a point. It's not the best case scenario, obviously, but I think in, in terms of managing expectations, that's probably what you can hope for in a lot of ways. So one-one for me, Philadelphia Columbus crew. All right, Sam. Um, to kind of go on what Brett said, I think, man, I've been many a times where there was heartbreak at Subaru Park. Uh, there were some really good moments at Subaru Park, right? Like Agreed. when Ethan Finley scored the late one that got them in the playoff. Right. I just want to bring. I. Man, I do think that Philly is still is going to come into this game angry that they lost MLS Cup. And even though they don't know what the team that they're playing are, I think they will prevail because they are so cohesive together in a system two years in a row under Jim Curtin. So I'm going to say two to one loss. And I hope I'm wrong. Uh, I have Bart's prediction. Uh, literally, I, I asked him for his prediction. Seven nothing. Uh, he just he just texted me back. Pain two one crew. Cucho and Josh. Oh, so there we go. Wow. Nothing crazy. Well, at least we got the Josh. We have the Josh Williams goal call. We're still waiting for that one. I am going to say three one Philly, and panic will ensue among <laughs> crew fandom that they've gotten yeah, this we're so wrong. Get yelled at after and people listen to this one. Derek Etienne. And Pedro and Jonathan were guys that this team desperately needed, and I, I think they'll just, I don't know. I think Philly's really good, and I think yeah. they'll be really good again, and I think this team's going to take some time to figure it out. But, I, I mean, I think they will, you know, I said last week, I think this is going to be a fun team to watch. I don't know if it will be week one. Uh, I'll say Philly 1-0. I respect their defense so much. That uh, and being it early in the season, I don't think we're going to see a lot of flash and dash. I think it's going to be an old time outside of a bar and South Philly punch out. How about that? Okay, so red cards, huh? Well, 
I don't want to predict Here's, that. Here, I'm going to drop a little hint, okay? Keep an eye on Kevin Molino. Okay. And what Molino can do, especially uh, in that final third. Okay. Dot, dot, dot. All right. All right. We will uh, do that. One one thing, if people missed it, they announced last week that the Apple TV deal is also going to go on DirecTV for bars and restaurants. So if you do go out to a non-normal crew bar on Saturday night and want to watch the game, as long as they have DirecTV, they should be able to put it on for you, which is better than what I thought was going to happen. Okay. Yeah. I was kind of wondering about that. Uh, so where are we going? We'll, we'll talk off there. Fair enough. Just saucy. Hashtag no free ads. Uh, I, we I could just stay here. So. I don't I could, we could literally live here until the game starts. No, no. <laughs> Sam has to play volleyball. Yes. I could live here. I have meetings have, at work they tomorrow. They have coffee and they have beer and they have food. That is true. I don't need anything else. Can you do your show from here? Sure. Wait, just leave the gear. I'll do it from here. All right. Uh, Brett, thank you. Absolutely. And uh, thank you for your optimism. He, he by far the most optimistic I, every you're person. getting you're everyone's getting a dose of that this year whether good. or not re- regardless of of any outside influences good for paradise to be fair, Bart was the only one to pick a win for the well game. that's true so but he's not but here. he's not here yeah uh Sam thank you and uh hope that the wings were everything you dreamed they would be Murph thank you so much my name's Ryan listen to my radio station 92.9 CD 92.9 I'd appreciate it Thank you, Saucy Brew Works, and we will talk to you next week on the Mass Report Podcast.